Proverbs 15. Uh, look at verse number one tonight. The Bible said, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you again for this evening. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, just for a time and a, a designated place, God, where we come together, Lord, and it's not just about the fellowship, Lord, though we enjoy it. Lord, it's not just about catching up, but Lord, we are grateful that we can. But Lord, we've come tonight to hear from heaven. We've come tonight to hear from the word of God tonight. Because Lord, we know that's what's going to change our lives. That's what's going to help us, Lord. That's what's going to hold us together when everything else is falling apart. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that within my possession, God, are 66 books, God, that are inspired, infallible, perfect, but they're also personal. And Lord, they work in my heart and they correct me and change me, challenge me, and convict me. Lord, I could not imagine, Lord. It, it, it's, it's become so precious to me, Lord. I could not imagine my life without the word of God. Lord, we go throughout the day, Lord, and I, I just go throughout my day, and sometimes, Lord, it's the most simple things, God, that take me back to the word of God when I'm reminded of great truths and great promises. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you'd help us to have a, a walk and a relationship with the word of God that is not just deep, but it's personal. And, Lord, we'd put ourselves... Lord, in the word of God tonight, Lord, and we'd help it and ask it, Lord, to work and see fit. Lord, help the, the mirror of the word of God to shine back the true reflection of our life, Lord, and help us to fix our faults and our failures. God, help us to, just to trust you, Lord. Help us to live by faith. We ask you tonight that you have by the cross of Calvary. Lord, even out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. Use me one more time, Lord, for your glory. God, we thank you, Lord, for the past services that we've had here. God, we thank you for the past messages that we've heard come across this pulpit. And we look forward to what we might hear in the future, God, but we're here tonight. And help us, Lord, tonight from the word of God with what we most desperately need. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Verses one through seven of Proverbs 15, and we'll cover a few other verses tonight, but uh, we won't get out of the chapter this evening. But Theodore Roosevelt once said that comparison is the thief of joy. I, I thought for sure that came from somewhere else, but when I Googled it, they said Theodore Roosevelt said that. And I grew up with a saying from Theodore Roosevelt. It was passed on to my dad, or to me from my dad. And he always say, speak softly and carry a big stick. And uh, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I was like, Dad, how big of a stick am I supposed to carry? And he had to sit down with me and explain it to me. He said, son, be quiet, but learn how to back it up. But Theodore Roosevelt said comparison is the thief of joy. And in some ways he's right, when especially when that comparison that you and I compare one another with is filled by jealousy or envy, right? It is I'm jealous of them or I'm envious of them because they have something that I don't have. And we sometimes like to think we're more spiritual than what we give ourselves or, or what, what we actually are because we all battle jealousy one way or another. But in this chapter, we're going to see a chapter full of comparisons, right? There, God is in his word tonight and, and over the next few weeks, he's taken some different people. He's taken, once again, he's taken the wicked and the 
righteous, the, the fool and the, the wise, and he's comparing them to each other. And, and so you and I can see a stark difference between the two of them. And, he, and, he's, and you say, well, preacher, is it, is it necessary to compare these two? Is it necessary for God to, why does God do this, right? Well, verse number 29 of 15 tells us why. It says, the Lord is far from the wicked but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. And so we see tonight that God draws the line. We live in a generation of, of inclusivity, right? Everybody's got to be included. And you've got to include everybody into everything. But we see here tonight, we've talked about this before, God is a God of separation. He separates good from bad, light from dark, uh, sin from not sin. He separates those things tonight. And, and he gives us this comparison so you and I can step back and make a judgment call. You and I can, can make the choice between right and wrong. God isn't going to make it for you. God's not going to force you to do it, but he's going to outline both of those things tonight and leave the choice up to us. And so we're going to see here tonight through this comparison, there's going to be some uh, uh, differences here and the actions are not the source. And, and rather, when we get through with this tonight, when we, when we study these things, it's not so you and I can promote self-righteousness, but rather we understand that our righteousness comes from God. And these actions, these choices we make are not to make us more righteous, but rather they are to flow from the righteousness that is already within us. Our righteousness is the source of these actions. We should act, these way, act this way because he's made us righteous, and we should not act this way because he's made us righteous, right? And so we see that tonight. So, preacher, is it necessary? And we've already kind of, it shows us what is right and wrong. What are the visible and known differences between the wise and the foolish? Because tonight, if I say, how many in here tonight, by the raising of your hands, wants to be a fool? All right. How many in here tonight, by the raising of your hand, want to be wise? All right. We're on the same page. How many in here tonight, by the raising of your hands, want to be wicked? Right? How many of you raise your hand and say, Preacher, I want to be righteous. I want to do that which is right. We all raise our hand tonight. So in order for us to do that, guess what we have to know? What is right and what is wrong? What is, what is acceptable? What is not acceptable? And so God in chapter number 15, he starts these comparisons between these two different groups. So you and I can step back and say, I want that or no, I don't want that. Right, so we, we understand that tonight. So this is chapter, it breaks it down into three categories, or I guess I broke it down into three categories as I was studying it. And we're gonna see a comparison between the words, between the works, and between the wants of these two different groups tonight on opposing sides. And this evening, we're just gonna cover the words and the comparison here tonight. We see a, a stark difference here. Notice number one tonight, we see a comparison concerning the use of words. How do these two sides use their words tonight? The person who said words does not matter never stuck their foot in their mouth, right? Because how many of us tonight, we've said the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person and we had nobody else to blame but ourselves and our words do matter. Now, the, 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 the main difference between the, the wise and the foolish is how they use their words, how they use the words. We see here the, is the, the choice of words. Verses one through four deals with it not. Verse number one says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, being a man, it's like, I don't think I'm allowed to give a soft answer. I'm a man. I gotta be brash and broad and, 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 and loud. And I, if I'm a man, but that word soft is, is really the character by which we, and it means tender or weak. 
Now, well, preacher, it's hard to argue. Well, preacher, why would, why would the Bible tell us, why would God's word tell us that a, a soft answer turns away? Because it's hard to argue with somebody who doesn't argue back. It's hard to argue with somebody who steps back and says, listen, we're not going to carry on this conversation until we, we calm down. Until we, we, we get cool heads tonight and we see tonight that a soft answer turneth away wrath. But then it goes on to say grievous words stir up anger. That word grievous means painful, hurtful. In essence, you say it not for reconciliation, but for revenge. <laughs> you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to use my words to do it. And the Bible said that when you and I do that, those words stir up Anger. In essence, it's the saying, it stirs up the pot. It doesn't calm anything down. And, and oftentimes, if nobody intercedes, it goes from words to action. And we see that here tonight, that the Bible says that the, the, one of the comparisons here is how the wise use their words and how the foolish use. A wise person will understand the value of a soft answer. It doesn't always feel like it's the right answer. It doesn't always feel good in the moment. It definitely doesn't satisfy the flesh. But the Bible says it does help the situation. And a wise person will understand that. But a, a, a foolish person will say, you know what? I'm not, I, I could care less if we solve anything. I'm fixing to hurt you. I'm fixing to let you hold it. I'm fixing to tell you what you really need to hear, even though it's just me feeling that's what you really need to hear. We see grievous words. Wise words show, under, wise words show that one understands knowledge. Look at verse number two. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. They use this knowledge aright. Well, so here's the thing. Just because you know something doesn't mean you know how to use it right. And when we take something that we don't know how to use and we use it however we see fit or, or in whatever way seems right to us, we don't understand the danger that we might be causing something or bring it to a situation. For instance, tonight, this book, this book is perfect. There's absolutely nothing wrong with my Bible tonight. But there are some that interpret it wrongly or use it wrongly. Matter of fact, some men have taken the word of God and used it to justify their sinful actions. They use it to elevate themselves to a position they're not supposed to be elevated to. And when you begin to question or ask, they'll say, touch not mine anointed, do my prophet no harm. Can I say accountability is a whole lot different than trying to hurt somebody. And we see here tonight that a wise person understands they don't just have the knowledge of it, but now they know how to use it through the words that they are using. A wise word so understood, knowledge. And, and we see foolish words display a lack of knowledge. Look at verse number two. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. In essence, it comes out and it comes out and it comes, it's just pouring everywhere. Your kids ever spilt something on the table? Ever knocked over a drink and just a little bit of it came out? Oh, it's okay, that's just a few drops. No, they'll take a 16-ounce cup and somehow drop three gallons worth of water on the floor. How do you, it just pours out, it just keeps coming out like a magic trick. And can I say tonight, when you and I are not careful with our words and we, we don't take our words and filter them through the word of God and through the mind of Christ, we'll be amazed at what just pours out of our mouth. So the Bible said foolish words displays a lack of knowledge. Well, look at verse number two. It goes on, but the mouth of fools poureth out 
knowledge tonight. And it goes on to say, look at, look at uh, verse number four tonight. It says, right words build up, wrong words break down. Well, preacher, how, how can I filter my words before we get, preacher, how can I, how can I, how can I filter my words? And it kind of goes back to last week. We understood, we talked about our heart and our mind. We talked about how our heart is desperately and deceitful, uh, deceitfully wicked and it's, it's just on the wrong course as it starts off. And a lot of times, a lot of what we say when we're angry or mad or sad even, we allow it to come straight from our heart without filtering it through our mind. And it just comes out. I don't know if you have one of these, you've ever seen one of these, but you can go to the store and buy them and you attach it to your, uh, your, your thing in the kitchen. What's that? The water faucet, right? You attach it to that thing and it says Brita on the front. It's a water filter. And you put it there and that water comes out of where, wherever the source is, whether it's a well or whether it's city water. It comes up through your pipes and right before it goes in your cup, all of that bad stuff is filtered out of it. Right, and the same thing is true when it comes to our words. Yes, they may come out of our heart, but we need to make sure we let them filter through our mind first. And if our mind, which has been made, let this mind be in us, which is in Christ Jesus, my mind is, is, is in the word of God tonight, it, there's gonna be that stop, 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 stop. Don't say that. Right, so you gotta, you gotta realize how, that's how you filter it. But right words build up, wrong words break down. Look at verse number four. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, there's a lot that you can do with the tree. Matter of fact, a tree can be used for construction. You can take that tree and get you some two-by-fours and four-by-fours and build you something fancy. You can build something out of a tree. Not only can it be used for construction, it can be used for consumption. There are some trees in this world, they produce fruit. You can go and pick an apple or a peach or a cherry tree. Right, and you can eat the fruit off it. They can be used for consumption. They can be used for comfort. Now, right now, it doesn't make any sense because it's cold outside. But let summer roll back around here and, and let it be 110 degrees outside and let you see a big, giant oak tree that's casting a shadow and has shade underneath it. And you're going to say, I'm going to go sit under there. It's a place of comfort. Can I say tonight, or your words can be the same thing. They can build people up. They can construct they, they, they can be uh, consumed, they can feed people, they can encourage people, and they can comfort people. They can help people, right? Those are, a wholesome tongue can do the same thing that we see that a tree can do right there in verse number four. But notice this, the Bible goes on to say, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. That word breach talks about a hole being busted into something for, for an enemy force. They've breached the wall. They've, they've breached the, the kingdom. They have, they have, they're, they're coming in to attack. And the same thing is, is true when you and I allow our words to be dangerous and to be uh, uh wrong in that sense. We don't understand the damage that we do. And one of the things that we can help us with this is have a great reminder in verse number three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Now, doesn't God just hear what you said? God sees what you said. <laughs> and, and it's one of those like, we think as long as I'm away from all earthly authority in my life, the preacher can't hear me. My Sunday school teacher can't hear me. Nobody from the church is around me. Mom and daddy ain't near me. Husband or wife isn't near me. I can say whatever I say and they're not gonna hear it. Can I say there's, there's one who is always in your audience and it's God. And he always knows what you're saying. Let me ask you, what, what, what kind of words did he hear you, hear you say recently? 
What kind of language came out of your mouth? The Lord heard. Well, he said, preach, that's a great reminder, but how do I improve? Right? How, how do I, I struggle with the use of my words. How can I improve and, and get better at this, right? Because we all have the desire. Preacher, I don't want to say the wrong thing and, and, and say it in the wrong way, in the wrong spirit, and using the wrong language. Preacher, I don't want to do that. And I don't think any of us here tonight do. But how do we improve ourselves and how do we... We go from not saying it or, 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 not, or, or saying it to not saying it. Not. Well, the answer, I think, is in verse 28. The Bible says, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. The heart of the righteous studieth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The, the evil man, the wicked man, the, the foolish person just lets it flow out, whereas the spiritual man or the spiritual person, the righteous person studies to answer. Preacher, I want to do better at it. Let me ask you, how much study have you been doing? <laughs> That's a word that none of us like. Preacher, I, I, I'm done with high school. I graduated college. I ain't studying no more. Can I say, it's interesting to me. God does have a sense of humor. Because when it came to high school and it came to uh, my academics, a lot of that stuff came natural to me. I, I could read my vocabulary words five minutes walking, before walking to class and I could ace the test. Now God's put me in a, in a profession or God's put me in a place where studying isn't, isn't a, it's not a suggestion, right? It's not like I'm going to preach and I'm going to study a little bit here and there. If I don't study, I ain't got nothing, right? And the same thing is true in your life when he's preaching, I'm struggling with this. Well, then you need to start studying. Preacher, how do I study? Go look up every verse you can about using the right words. Memorize them. Study them. Figure out what the words mean in those verses. That way when the conversation start or the, that, that thing comes your way, you can stand to that and just quote that verse to them. Preacher, they're going to think I'm crazy. What's well, going to be a whole lot better than you saying something you regret? I don't think I've ever spoke the word of God and regretted it. And it not came and helped me in those kind of things. So if you need help with the use of your words, go to verse number 28 and say, Lord, help me to study. Help me to study. How, how do you compare when it comes to your use of words? What side of the line tonight do you find yourself more often than not? On the side of the righteous and the knowledgeable and the wise or on the side of the foolish and the wicked tonight? Notice number two. Not only do we see the comparison uh, concerning their use of words, but notice this number two, the comparison of their use for words. Their use for words. Have you, uh, you ever met somebody who lives by the mantra, well, you never know, you might need it someday. You know what those people typically have? A lot of stuff. <laughs> they have a lot of stuff. You know, uh, they, only in America do we spend thousands of dollars to put a shed on our property to put stuff in that we're never going to use. What is it? That's my storage shed. What are you storing in there? Uh, stuff. <laughs> you planning on using it? No, that's why I built the shed. <laughs> I'm tired of it being in the house, so I built me a shed to put it in. Here's the thing. When it comes to stuff, I, I'm more of a, if you, if you don't, use, don't have a use for it, well, get rid of it. <laughs> I haven't used this thing in seven years. It's now I've never even come close to using it. It might be time to let it go. Put it in the garage sale. Well, preacher, what if you need it again? I guess I'll just get another one when the, when the time comes. Well, however, we see a certain group tonight in the word of God, uh, who, a group of words in this chapter that we must ask ourselves, do I have a use for those kind of words in my life? 
Do I have a use for those kind of words in my life? And here they are words of reproof and instruction. Look at verse number five. The Bible said, a fool despiseth his father's instruction. The fool said, I have no use for that. Then he goes on to say, but he that regardeth the reproof is prudent. He says, I have a use for that. Verse number 31 also goes along these same lines and it says, the ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the white. He's got a use for it. Verse number 32, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. One had a use for it and the other has no, I have no use for reproof or instruction. Notice those who have a use for reproof. What is that, preacher? That's correction. That is somebody refuting you and saying, hey, you're not doing that right. That is not the right answer. And can I say the, the every fiber of me being a man absolutely does not like it when somebody tells me I'm wrong. Especially when I think I'm right. Just for them to pull out their phone and prove, hey, you're wrong. But we see tonight that a person who says, you know what, when it comes to the word of God, it's one thing for me to correct you on something that is, is not significant, something that is temporal, something that is earthly in that sense. It's a whole other thing when God takes his word and says, hey, what you've been doing is wrong or how you've been doing isn't right, and here's how it needs to be done. And you say, no, Lord, I don't, I don't have no use for that. I have no use for that. No use for reproof or instruction. That word instruction means discipline or direction, right? Once again, us men, we struggle with instructions. Don't know why they even put them in the box. I don't need those things. I can build anything. I mean, my goodness, I used to be a professional cabinet builder. How hard could a kid's toy be? Hard. <laughs> right, but they're words of instruction. Our Bible is full of instruction. Preacher, how do I do this? Well, it's in the Bible. How do I do that? It's in the Bible. What should I do here? It's in the word of God tonight. The Bible is full of instructions that what we have to ask ourselves is, do I have a use for it? Or am I willing to use it or put it to use? And the Bible says that those who have a use for reproof and for instruction, those who welcome God's word to correct them and to straighten them out and to direct them, they'll become prudent. Look at verse number five. But he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Right, the word prudent means to be smooth. It means to make bare. Well, preacher, I don't know if I want to be that or not. I don't know if I... I don't know if I want to be a smooth preacher. I don't want to be a smooth talker. I, I mean, that's, that sounds like a salesman. That's what I was talking about there. But it's taking something that is rough and through reproof and correction, making it smooth and making it bare. And, 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 and necessarily, we'd say like this, it's knocking off the rough edges. It's making someone prudent tonight. It, as we allow him to instruct us and correct us, God smooths out our rough edges It'd be a good thing in your Christian life to realize is that as growing in a Christian and becoming a godly Christian, a mature Christian, isn't so much you doing everything but allowing God to do what he desires in your life. And that means you have to allow him to reprove you and instruct you, to correct you and direct you and discipline you. And if you do, you'll become prudent. Verse number 31, you'll become fixed. Look at verse number 31. The Bible said, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. 
When I say the word fixed, I'm not talking about broken, but rather I'm talking about being fixed to a position, being planted, being secured, being uh, steadfast in what you believe and what you know, and that comes through God. You allowing God to reprove you and instruct you, to correct you and direct you. It means he, look, he abideth among the wise. It's the only group that you invite yourself into, and then you get to choose to stay in it or not. Lord, I need wisdom. I'm inviting myself in. But then there's going to come the choice, am I going to stay in the wise group? And if I'm going to stay there, then I've got to allow the Lord to do the work that he wants to do in my life according to the word of God. I, Lord, I need correcting. Can I say tonight with all of my credentials and all of my, my vast knowledge that I learned in Bible college, God still has to correct me. Still got to straighten me out. How often? I bet preacher it's like every six months. The Lord has to correct you on things and, and instruct you on things and redirect your focus. Try what you try every day. I mean, every day it's a battle. Every day is a struggle. But notice this, if we allow God to work and allow God's word to have its will in our life, we'll become fixed. We'll become uh, uh, steadfast in, in wisdom tonight. Those verse number 32, you'll also become understanding. You'll become understanding. Look at verse number 32. He that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof Getteth understanding. Oh, preacher, I, I tell you what, I, I don't know what's, I just don't understand about all this. God's probably been trying to correct you. You just haven't been listening. Because we see right here that reproof leads to correction. You may not understand it first, but over time, he will make it clear to you as you allow him to correct you and direct you and to have that reproof and instructing work in your life tonight, you'll gain understanding. How many have ever come through a trial or come through a struggle and in the midst of it, you had no idea what God was doing? And even at the end of it, you didn't even really know you was out of it. But give it a few days and a few months and a few years and you can look back and say, oh, that's what the Lord was doing right there. That's how he was working. That, I'm understanding now because you've allowed, the God, you've allowed God to reprove you and to teach you what he was doing. Those who have a use for them uh, for proof and instruction, they'll become prudent, fixed, and understanding. But notice those who have no use for them. Those who say, Lord, that's great, that's wonderful, but no thank you. So the most dangerous words you'll ever tell God as a Christian is no. No, I won't do that. I won't, I won't, no, no, Lord. I, no, I'm not gonna do that. So the most dangerous words you'll ever use. But notice this, the Bible says that if you have no use for them, if you turn away from them and, and you, you, you shun them, the Bible said you'll label yourself to verse number five. Look what it says, a fool despises his father's instructions. Despises them. In essence, uh, that you don't have to be a fool. They didn't have to be a fool, but rather they made a choice to despise their father's instructions. Though we understand Solomon here is writing this book and he's more than likely talking to his sons here. But we also understand tonight that God is talking to us. We are his children. He is our father tonight. And he's given us instruction. We despise them. He didn't make us, make us a fool. We chose it. We labeled ourselves as a fool. They did not have to be fools. They chose that for themselves. There's a lot you can choose about yourself, right? Or there's, excuse me, there's, there's a lot that you can't choose about yourself. You can't choose who your mom and daddy are. You can't choose the color of your eye. You can change them with a contact, but that's still not your eye. You can't, you can't choose your hair color you were born with. You can change it out of a box, but that's not your natural hair color. There's a lot that you can't choose about yourself, but you're going to make the choice whether or not to be a fool. 
or to act foolishly in that sense. So they label themselves. Not only they label themselves, verse number 2, 32 says, if you reject this, you refuse it, you have no use for it. The Bible said you hurt yourself. Look at verse number 32, chapter number 15. But, or he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. Despiseth his own soul. That word despise means to spurn, to reject. In essence, now you say, Lord, I don't need any of that stuff. You are literally saying, I'm rejecting what God has planned for my life. And if you reject what God has planned for you, you are totally missing your purpose and your reason for living. That comes from God tonight. It doesn't come from anywhere else or from anything else. That comes from the Lord tonight. And if we, we step back and say, Lord, I have no use for your word. I, I understand that sounds like a very bold statement. And I don't think we'd ever get up and, 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 and look up at God and say, God, I don't have no use for your word. But sometimes our life and our actions and our decisions and our attitudes, it yells that out. And what we've got to realize is that when we live that way, think that way, walk that way, we're actually hurting ourselves because we're missing the opportunity that God has prepared for us to serve him and allow him to do something great and wonderful through our lives. Let me ask you, what kind of uh, words or what kind of use do you have for the words of instruction and correction in your life from the word of God? So we see the comparison here of, of uh, uh, their use of words and their use for words. Then notice number three tonight, we see the comparison of the ultimate goal concerning their words. What is the plan? Here's the thing tonight, the fool and the wicked have no ultimate goal. They have no ultimate goal. They are striving just for the momentary Excuse me, momentary pleasure and feelings. It's here and now. I don't look towards the future to have no plans. Whatever feels good now. That's why I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. If I'm going to think it, I'm going to say it. All those kind of They're living for the here and now. They have no ultimate goal. And, and, and you got to realize, when we think about this in terms of salvation, no man really desires to go to hell. No matter, they, they may say that and they may play around and they may sing about it, but the reality is when eternity is put in front of them, no man desires to go there. That's not their ultimate goal. Their ultimate goal is to miss it. Their ultimate goal is, is, is to not end up there. And so you got to realize tonight when it comes to the fool and the wicked, the unrighteous, and that says there is no ultimate goal. It's whatever feels good here and now, and we'll figure out the rest when we get there. However, the wise and righteous are goal-oriented. They have a desired end and a hopeful expectation. And that's why the Holy Spirit works in our, in our lives. And our goal may sound vague, and it may sound uh, very, very uh, impersonal, but Lord, help me to be better with my words. That is a goal. right? God puts that desire in us and says, well, preacher, what should our goal be for our words. Notice this. Right, look, at, look at verse number 23. Now, here's the goal for the righteous and for the, the, the wise for their word. A man, verse number 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? We all testify tonight. We know what it's like to stick our foot in our mouth. <laughs> how many of us would say, preacher, it sure would be a whole lot better if I knew and I allowed God to use me to say the right thing at the right time to the right person for the right reasons. That would be a blessing, wouldn't it? So we see here tonight that a desire, what should our desire, what should our ultimate goal be for our words? A desire for personal 
Joy, it says right there in verse, and man had joy by the answer of his mouth. Not necessarily how the person responds to it and not necessarily what they, what they say back to you because you've got to realize tonight if your joy is coming from anybody else but the Lord, you're going to be let down. You can't expect people to fix things. You can't expect people to do better. Preacher, I've been on them and 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 on them. What am I supposed to do? Probably need to leave them to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> there's certain things that if I can't convict you or if the Holy Ghost can't convict you tonight, nothing I say can. But what a goal to have that my words would bring joy and not regret and guilt. Because here's the thing, when you and I say something and the moment it comes out of our mouth and we know we shouldn't have said it, it sets in. Regret is right there, guilt is there. It sets in. What a wonderful way it would be to live life and talk in such a way that when we get done talking, the only byproduct we have left is joy. Lord, they might not have received it like they should have. Lord, they might not take it to heart, but I'm thankful, Lord, that when I got done talking, my testimony was still intact. The words I said have comforted my heart. And Lord, thank you because, Lord, that's not who I am. That's not how I naturally act and the desire for personal joy tonight ought to be a goal for our words. Then finally, a desire for perfect timing. The Bible said right there in verse number 23, a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Not only would we be able to discern the season, but that we would be able to discern the right words to say in the season. Because can I say, a discernment will take you a long way in the Christian life learning how to discern, learning how to, how to think before we act, to, to, to not just jump in and, and, all right, here we are, right? but rather step back and say, all right, Lord, I need help with this. Lord, I want to speak the right word in the right season because, Lord, you said it was good. And, Lord, I want it to be good, not just for me, but those that are listening to me as well. The comparison of the ultimate goal concerning the words. Let me ask you, what are the goals you have concerning the words that are coming out of your mouth? What kind of goals do you have set? And asking the Lord to help you with, to achieve that you may see God working in and through your life tonight. We see some differences here. The, the, the wise, the righteous have a goal concerning their speech. The fool has no goal, has no desire. The, the wise have a use for instruction and correction. The fool has no use for it, no purpose for it. The wise desires to make use of their words in the correct way. The fool uses his words however he wants. Doesn't matter who he hurts. Doesn't matter who, who, who's, who, what happens to the testimony or whatnot. He just uses it however he wants to. Let me ask you now, what side of the line are you on? What, where, where do you find yourself lining up tonight? I don't know about you, but I want to be on the wise side. I want to be on the righteous side tonight. And I need to ask the Lord to help me. And, and give me the words to say and the wind to say them that I might bring glory to his name and joy to my heart tonight.